Lot lost her mother to metastatic breast cancer when she was 22 years old. After another life event, as Lot says, the lid was off. Ten years later, she has given herself space for her grieving process and wants to help others do the same. If you are enjoying the podcast, I'd sure appreciate if you could go leave a rating and review. And now, Lot's story. Hi, this is Beth, and welcome back to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. We're glad you're here today. Today, I have with me Lot, and she is in the Netherlands. I didn't even ask you, what time is it there? Uh, it's 10.15. At night or in the morning? Yes, 10.20 now. <laughs> okay. All right. So she's about five hours ahead of me. The one time I, I interviewed a young woman from India, and it was literally like 3 a.m. I was like, you should be in bed. She had just finished studying. But anyways, I digress. Lot is uh, in the Netherlands and her native language is Dutch, but she speaks um, English beautifully and has a beautiful accent. So like I always say, I'm sorry that you are part of the club, but I appreciate you being here today to share your story. Um, as it goes, I will turn the mic over to Lot and let her introduce herself and tell us her story. And then I will come back with a few questions at the end. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Beth. I feel honored to be here. Um, so I will uh, start with my story um, and first introduce myself. I am Lot and uh, I live in Rotterdam in the Netherlands. I am originally from Amsterdam, the capital city of the Netherlands, but I will go to that later in my story, why I changed. <laughs> um, I'm 32. Uh, recently turned 32 in February and this year it's 10 years ago that my mom passed away in July, July, July 2nd um, and I want to give you like a full story so I want to start a bit early into my life. I grew up um, in Amsterdam uh, with Dutch parents. My mom was Dutch. She was from Amsterdam. And my dad is um, a child of uh, immigrants from Indonesia. A lot of people in the Netherlands have also Indonesian heritage. Um, so my dad is one of them. <laughs> um, they met each other, they met each other like in their 20s, they got married and they first had my brother. And then uh, they had me uh, almost, yeah, two years, I think two years later. Um, and um, I think it's good to tell that um, I grew up in a family that didn't really talk about their emotions. It was always going to school, eating, uh, maybe sports was also there, but there was not a lot of space for more than that, like for the basics. Um, and on top of that, uh, my parents got divorced when I was 11. Um, my dad moved away when I was he moved away, of course, from our family when I was 11, but he moved away from the Netherlands to Germany when I was 13 or 14, I think. So I grew up with, or actually without a dad. Um, 
we were in contact sometimes, but not a lot. And he uh, remarried and didn't have any more children, but he was living in Germany. And um, so I grew up with a single mom. She was a kinder, I, I laugh because she loved her job. She was a kindergarten uh, teacher and she uh, had the youngest one. So four, five, six years old. And she, yeah, she loved them all with all her heart. So that was very cute. And I often visited her at her job. I was first at the same school, just like my brother, but yeah, of course when I was 12, I had to go to another school. <laughs> so um, she loved her job and she was busy with her job. Um, and yeah, like I told, like I said before, there was not a lot of space for like emotions and everything. Uh, I went into puberty without a dad, with a very busy mom. Um, I loved being a rebel. I loved, you know, to not come home. And I had to be home before it was dark, but I was playing basketball in the street, uh, sometimes with boys, <laughs> stuff like that. So to paint the picture, I I was not the quiet type, let's say the way I also rebelled in school. And I also just um, told Beth that, yeah, I was not very good in English in school and now I'm here. So that's very, yeah, nice to feel also. Um, and yeah, the, the, I was always like the rebel and a bit like the fun one in school. So I learned to be not a burden to my mom, let's say it that way. So be, um, yeah, be happy and not make her life more difficult, if you say it that way. And um, yeah, I think that's how I grew up, like in puberty and so on. Um, I now realize also that this is the first time I'm telling this story in English. So it's very interesting how different that is of course, I talk to my friends in English sometimes, um, some of my friends, but it's funny that it gives a different uh, feeling to the story. Anyway, um, when I was in transition from like um, school to studies, um, I, I took a gap year because I didn't know what to do. Uh, so I worked. And I think around that time I was 19 or 20 uh, because I um, took one more year to finish my, I don't know if you call it high school or anything, but it's okay, it's high school. <laughs> <laughs> and so I took one more year longer to finish high school. And uh, so after that, I took a gap year. So I think I was 19 or 20 when I was working for a year just to figure out what I wanted. Um, I remember so vividly, I think you say it, like I, I still know it very, very clear that I was at my job. It was in a physiotherapy practice. Spoiler alert, I studied physiotherapy, but 
I never knew that when I was working there. I was not working as a physiotherapist, but just like helping people uh, with appointments and stuff. I very much um, remember that my mom called me and that she said like, I, I don't remember the exact words because maybe some people also recognize this from that time spent. I'm sometimes a bit blurry in my mind. Um, but she said something like, I found a lump, limp, lump, lump in my, um, in my breast. I don't know if it's good or not. I think she knew already that it was not good when she talked to me on the phone. So I was so confused. I got very blurry in my mind. I remember exactly where I was standing. It was outside on like a balcony thing. And I hung up the phone and I walked back in and I never learned how to deal with this, this, this um, things or this, um, yeah, this thing, big things happening because we never talked about our emotions. So what to do? Um, so I really remember that I went to the, straight to the toilet, cried got out and acted like oh I'm just going home so nobody really knew what was going on um, a little while before that I started with I don't know the name in English but it's kind of a physiotherapist but also with body work <laughs> so she started to teach me how to use my body to feel, feel and regulate my emotions because I was, before I knew what was going on with my mom, I was already a bit blurry sometimes in my mind. And I had pain in my shoulders, pain in my body. I went to the physiotherapist. They didn't know what to do. I went to something else. They didn't know what to do. So I went to this, it's called a hoptonome. <laughs> Don't ask me the name in English, but I think the best description is that she would talk to me and then after that I would lay on her table or yeah the 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 treatment table and she would like help me to feel my body with her hands on my body very nice I was with her fast forward also for 10 years she helped me a lot and um there before the diagnosis of my mom I um, realized that I never, I think also grieved the divorce of my parents, my dad moving away, everything that happened, being always in between them. Like when I was at my dad's place, I couldn't talk about my mom. When I was at my mom's place, I couldn't talk about my dad. I was always like in between, in between. So she, asked me a question or something. I only remember that the three first treatments, I was only crying, which was very good, but I was not used to it because I never cried. And I thought that was normal because nobody in my family ever cried only from really desperation or really when you are angry and you that's the moment you don't want to cry and then you start crying. So that um, happened before, but then the, the diagnose uh, of my mom that was 
2011. Um, so I was the one who always went with her to the hospital. Um, for me, it was very normal back then. Now I see that maybe a 21 year old is that's very hard on a 21 year old it didn't look that bad to be honest in the beginning because they were gonna do chemo and then they would take the lump out with surgery and then they would do radiation and then it would be fine in my mind so <laughs> We did that in 2011. And it's funny because I realized a lot of things the past months currently that we went on a trip uh, 2011 to 2012, like Christmas and New Year's to Bali with my mom and my brother and uh, some of her closest friends, also a family mom, dad and their daughter. Um, yeah, just to kind of maybe celebrate or something that we were done with the treatment. We did a whole ceremony at the beach with nice clothes, with flowers in the hair, like the offerings to the sea. Let's do a ceremony to like keep it away. And I just realized recently that probably my mom knew somewhere that this would be our last holidays together. And I never realized that back then. I was just, yay, let's celebrate that it's over. And <laughs> no, that was maybe not the case. So I just recently uh, realized that maybe she knew. So she went with a almost bald head to Bali and she did her laps in the small swimming pool. And I really remember that we were going on a walk and she thought she could do it. She couldn't do it. So that was very hard to see. Of course, I know now, I, I knew that back then also, but it's different when you're in a situation or you hear it happening to someone else. For me, it's, it's different. Um, I knew, of course, that chemo and, 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 radiation and and the surgery is hard on your body but I didn't realize it so I only realized it in that walk on Bali like it was super hot of course and she wanted to the tough girl that she is like or was like I'm gonna do this let's yeah recover so she was a tough one um I also recently realized that I'm reading a book about female leadership. And in one of the exercises, they ask you to visualize a leader. And I visualize a very strong woman. I don't know her personally, but I just visualized a very strong woman. And then it was funny because after the exercise, the, the writer of the book said, you probably visualize a white male in a suit. And I was like, no, no. I did not. <laughs> and then I I talked about this with my uh, my friend and I was like, yeah, I did this and that. And I was like realizing while I was talking that maybe that's because I was raised by a very strong 
woman. So I was like, oh, that's so cool. Anyway, <laughs> we went to Bali. We celebrated Christmas and New Year's Eve there. It was hard, but it was also beautiful. And um, I don't know if I really thought she was clean of cancer, but we went with that. We didn't really talk about it. My mom is not the speaker about that. Um, so I think middle, say middle 2012, like 2012, she felt like a, a lump in her uh, armpit. So yeah, actually then you know, like it's in the lymph system. It's not gonna be a good uh, diagnose. So uh, of course I went with her to the hospital and they made the echo and everything. Um, all a blur, of course. I don't. Yeah, I, I have flashes from it. I have flashes from the. They take some blood. They see if some element is in the blood or not. They see if it's good or bad. Um, I really remember the lump and everything. I also touched it, so I was like, okay, this is this is not very good. I think. Um, but then, I think they also made scans of her whole body, and. Um, I went to the doctor with her and she didn't want to see it. She went out of the room already, but I stayed because I really, really needed proof. Like, where is it? How big is it? You know, what are we going to do? Because they said like that, oh, we're going to do the same again. You know, okay, we do some chemo, we do some uh, surgery, we do some radiation. But they just said, yeah, we can like maybe lengthen your life a bit with like chemo pills or anything you know so I was like how long you know is it one year three months one week and I really needed to prove of the scans so I stayed in the room and I saw them like in the liver like very big and in lungs and like every, like the whole body so I was like okay it's really bad so I really remember that I knew she was going to die. So I called up my best friend. I walked out of the hospital. I was sitting down at the bench outside and I called her and I did. I started crying and I just told her, my mom is going to die. And then I just cried, cried, cried. I couldn't say anything, of course. And the weird thing is that I maybe knew that already for one and a half year in my gut or how do you call it? Like in your body, I already knew it. I knew it somewhere or I, I don't know. I felt it somewhere. And yeah, that was very, I, I don't want to use the word re relieving, but it was kind of relieving that I, that was, um, how do you say that? recognized what I had been feeling for such a long time already so I don't the, the the order of the things happening is still not totally clear in my mind but I do remember also that she was still trying to get better and she was willing to try a trial medicine let's say it that way um I don't think it was a medicine, but they 
took out some cells from your bones. I don't know. It was a trial thing. And I knew that she went not very good on that thing. She was very sick. She smelled very bad. <laughs> like, yeah. like, I was like, no, this is not good. And I remember I was still living at home. And I was sitting at a dinner table with her and my brother. And she was yeah, like very weak. And she smelled very bad. <laughs> and and um, my brother just had a surgery in his mouth. Like he had a new tooth or whatever. So I was sitting with two people who were very sick and in pain. And I was like, what is happening? I, I really don't know. So that was also a shocking moment for me. Um, it's also maybe good to tell that in the period that my mom was sick, I just started my studies, like I told you before, the spoiler, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, the physiotherapy studies. So I think I was in my first year and um, I also moved out. So there was one year with mom diagnosed like that she was going to pass away. Uh, I moved out, I started my studies. So if you only leave out the mom being sick part, it's already a crazy period, you know? So all that in once, I did that. <laughs> Moving out, um, starting my studies and also taking care of my mom, going to the hospital, taking her to the doctor's appointment, stuff like that. I don't know honestly how I managed that, but it's something you do out of love and especially for your mom. Um, so yeah, that's what I did. And I also remember, I don't know if, if it's because I was keeping myself so strong or that the school I went to was I don't know, not used to cases like me, but I asked some like professors for like, can I do this assignment later? Or can I, can you help me get into this internship without this test? But they were not very um, cooperative. Do you say it that way? Like for me, that was, of course, the saddest part was my mom being sick. But in school, you, I was like, I'm, in a physiotherapy studies, you know, <laughs> this is taking care of people, but I don't like uh, to talk about that too much because it's very negative and I don't, I try to be, be not very negative, but that was painful. I think that's the, 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 the part I want to point out in that, that there's such a big thing happening in a young adult's life. And I was asking for help. I was going to I don't know how you call that person like the go-to person and she sent me to the the studies psychologist I went there so I I was trying but still it was very hard to get myself into a grief group or uh, anything to to help myself anyway um I think I only realized how 
sick my mom was when she couldn't make it to the funeral of my grandma because my grandma passed away a month before my mom passed away and her mom so her mom um she was so like i told you so involved in her job that she just worked but that's actually what she said i rather die than stop working for the kids like she oh like i don't know if you say that in english but she died in her harness like she really died like doing what she loves um but we have i don't know if that's also in the us but we have holidays in may so uh she worked until the may holidays and she passed away july 2nd so she really worked almost until the end of course she was skipping meetings and stuff like that but she was yeah she was working and um yeah so the only or the the first time i really realized that it was going very 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 bad was when my grandma passed away like a month like in june she couldn't make it to the funeral she was in her bed of of course i don't know if it's of course but I uh, went to the funeral with my brother and also one, uh, two or three of my best friends because I was like, can you please be there? <laughs> because I don't know what's happening, but I need your support. So I also wrote, um, um, how do you say that? I said some words at the funeral of my grandma and I really remembered that when I came home to my mom, I just said the same words, like what I said to my grandma. I also like um, said not to my mom, but like what I said, I, I was laying next to her in bed. I was like, okay, this and this and this I said, and she was very grateful for that. We had some pictures. So I showed um, her also some pictures of the, uh, of the funeral. But that was the first time I realized she couldn't come out of bed. So I was like, hmm, this is not good. But she wouldn't talk about it. So, yeah, for me, it's very important to, yeah, to tell the full story and also tell about how hard it is when the person who is sick is not willing to talk about stuff. And you of course i've been on this like grief journey for some years or like the past year i really full on in it um but i have been so angry also so angry like why didn't you learn me how to talk about my emotions why why <laughs> like why um and also the, the coping mechanism to just laugh when you have to cry or stuff like that. It's like, yeah, sometimes I'm I'm mad and I'm also mad sometimes that I see like the stories of people who know someone is not going to live for a long time and they do all this stuff and they make memories, they make videos, they, they write. I gave her a journal. She never wrote in it. So sometimes I'm mad. 
but sometimes not. <laughs> and it's it's like a, I you hear that a lot that it's like a very how do you say that a mix of emotions and. I learned that it's there every day. I knew that, but now I'm very conscious about it, about the grief. Um, so to go to the, the point when she uh, passed away, um, I think that was pretty traumatizing for me because I was there like the last night. Uh, I was literally next to her. Um, so that was in the moment it was super beautiful to do i'm very grateful that i did that i would do it 10 times again <laughs> i i would do it yeah i would do it again for sure but after that i realized that it, it was also traumatic um so after she passed away on the 2nd of July, 2013, um, yeah, you heard that a lot. You get in this mode of like, we need to um, organize everything for the funeral and we need to do this and that. And it all went in kind of a blur, of course. And I'm very grateful for my brother in that process or actually for the two of us because we did everything together. You shouldn't do that at 22 and I think he was 24, but like the bond was already pretty good. And I think that also bonded us even more. Um, yeah, and then what to do? It was summer holidays here. All my friends were on holidays or going on a trip, traveling, whatever. So I had my summer internship because I didn't pass one of my tests. So the internship was postponed, but I could do it in summer. So I was like, okay, after a week, let's go. So I just went to, I just went on. I went into my internship, I did everything. I finished my studies one year later or something because I already felt in my studies that I was not totally fine. I just did my sports. I liked to go out a lot. I, <laughs> yeah, I had some coping mechanisms that would, were maybe not the best. Um, I enjoyed it very much. And I think it's also fine that I enjoyed it for some years. But at some point when I transferred into a working life as a physiotherapist and um, into, yeah, let's say going towards adulthood, it was, yeah, the, the, my hangovers became very depressed. And lonely I felt lonely I didn't know how to reach out um stuff like that um so I think like four years ago five years ago um yeah I wanted to change and I knew I had to leave Amsterdam for that somewhere in my body I knew 
I needed to leave Amsterdam because yeah, this is where everything happened. I need like to, not that I hate Amsterdam. I love that city. It's everything to me, but I just needed a, a different surroundings. I didn't know where I would go, but I put my stuff at my aunt and uncle, which is the sister of my dad. So the other side of the family. And they live very close to Rotterdam. <laughs> so I went on a very amazing actually trip to India and to Bali to just, I had a one-way ticket to India. Um, it, it was actually, I just told Beth, that's why I um, forget to tell, but I had a relationship in Amsterdam. Uh, we broke up and then I was like, everything came out. I just said the lid went off. I don't know if it's a good expression, but you see it. The lid of the well, it was like everything pressed down. No, it went off. And I was like, I don't want to put that lid back on. I want to see what happens when I um, dive into that emotion. Uh, well, let's say it that way. Um, so that's the year I also booked the ticket to India. I already did a meditation course. I don't know. So maybe someone knows it, but the name is Vipassana. It's from India. I did that in April. It was very hard, but very good for me. Then in October, I had all my stuff at my aunt and uncle. This was 2019. And um, I went to India. I did my yoga teacher's training. I did another meditation course. And I was on Bali for three months. I didn't book a back ticket, like a, a, a ticket back. Um, so I just could, I just booked my ticket to India, the two courses. And then I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. So then I decided in India that I was going to Bali. And I know it sounds very fancy, but honestly, I just slept 70% of the time. I was already, I had been in Bali for some time, like a couple of times, but I slept so much. I was exhausted. And it was the time where I read some things about like stuff with parents and like growing up with people like parents who don't talk about their emotions. That's when really, I don't like to use the word, but my healing journey started. <laughs> and um, yeah, then I came back to the Netherlands. And then that was actually when we all went into lockdown. So I was living at my aunt and uncle's for half a year. I started my uh, um, holistic life coaching course. Uh, I did one from Australia because it was totally online, the Mind Body Food Institute. Very good one, I must say. For me, it was very good also for myself because you go through everything yourself. Uh, all the exercises mm, and then yeah okay my life already started to change when I started yoga and cried my eyes out like the, the time I also just told Beth like that happened uh, but I won't go into that that much but I started with yoga a couple of years before um, but then I did the coaching course and then I was like this is amazing I need to do something with this. Like I already always loved the people in my physiotherapy practice who had like chronic pain, like neck pain or back pain or anything, because there's always a story behind. Like 
there's a lot of stress or like stories like this are behind. I don't know why I have neck pain, but my mom passed away 10 years ago. I never grieved. Oh, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, let's say it that way. So I really would, my, my dream was really to, I have to do a big sigh for that, like to create a safe space for people to maybe to grieve, like everything, like not only grieve death, but also grieve whatever, to express their emotions, to know that it's safe to cry, to know that it's safe to be angry, to know to, it's safe to whatever, and not put everything or stuff everything down. And it's funny because I never thought I would turn like to the spiritual stuff or to, I just, you don't see it, but here is like a whole new moon ritual I'm down here. I will show, spoil the secrets for you. It's like, I did a new moon ritual, like just before uh, entering this uh, um, meeting. And I was like, I never thought I would find so much, yeah, joy and, 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 peace in 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 spirituality and nature and everything like that so the past years I've been I think the best way to describe is going from what other people expect from me to what do I want what makes me happy if I want to hug a tree whatever I love it <laughs> like, like I I I am also still making fun of myself when I do that but Sometimes I just like to do that. So for me, that's amazing. And maybe it always will be like that, that I like it, but I also make fun of myself and that's okay. So yeah, the the coaching, um, the coaching came on my path. I did like a, a kind of uh, physiotherapy job in between a Again, to move out of my aunt and uncle's place to Rotterdam, where I'm now currently. Um, but the job was very draining. So I stopped with it after four, four months or three months. And I started my own company, my online coaching business. And I was still a bit tired. I was not a bit. I was very still very tired and just recovering from, they say maybe burnout, depression. I don't know which label I would take, but being very tired and down a lot of times. Um, I already started my business like one and a half year ago, um, but I changed it, my niche, let's say that way the people I want to help into grief like June last year. Um, because yeah, I think that's really a, a taboo and it's so healing when you just can talk about your mom when you don't feel, um, when you're in a conversation and you just talk about her and people know that she's not there anymore, but your heart, heart lights up when you talk about the time when she, I don't know, I know a very funny, like, um, example comes to mind I had a, a boyfriend like like at the time when she was sick and he came over and 
we went for the washing machine of my grandma. And she was like, there was this poll where you pay for your car to like the, the payment poll. Let's say they were, all the Dutch words are coming, but I tried to explain it. And she was just screaming into that poll, like for fun, you know, like, hello, is there anybody there? And he still talks about that, you know? So she she was also super funny and and, yeah, it's it's really weird to not have her around. But to be honest, I don't know if you or people who listen believe that, but my relationship really changed with her the past years. Like my dreams are different about her. I dreamed last week that, yeah, there was a lot of support there when she was sick. Like it was a very vivid dream and it was very different than from 10 years ago, but it was the situation of 10 years ago, fast forward to the now with the support I wish I had. Because then, because now if something like this happens, I would be way more open and I, whatever. So that's actually the thing I have been doing um, the past years. and. I'm really passionate about like um, the body work um, with grief. Um, of course, I read books about grief and I did some podcasts. For me, quotes on Instagram were very healing. I really love Young Pueblo. I don't know if you heard about him. He's my hero. Really, I love him. I think he's one of my biggest role models let's say the way he also does the vipassana meditation and yeah that like his quotes really help help still help help me i have all his books and yeah i'm just trying out stuff and what helps for me i want to i share that on my instagram and i share stories for now it's in dutch but i've been thinking about to do it in english for a very long time but We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Sometimes I post in English, like on my stories or anything. And I recently also posted like a reel with English titles because sometimes it just resonates more with me, the English. So yeah, that's what I'm doing now. And I'm, yeah, just very grateful to have talked about this also in English because, because it's different and I never thought I would talk about this in English. <laughs> if my teacher, my English teacher back then would hear it, he would be laughing. Uh, but, uh, and I'm also very grateful to have transferred to Rotterdam because I'm really trying to build my life the way I want to live my life. I think that's, sometimes still very conflicting with what I think my ancestors are babbling about in heaven or wherever they are. Um, but yeah, I'm grateful that, yeah, I'm here. Well, and you've done an amazing amount of processing to be able to be at a point where you can look at it from a standpoint of grace you know, instead of yes. oh. earlier, you talked about being so angry, you know, yeah. some people go through so... their whole, 
the whole lives being angry. Yeah. 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 It's beautiful that you use the word grace because a couple of weeks ago, I that word came up in like, I do some aesthetic dance or something that's dancing without words and on your bare feet and everything. Or I did another session with body work and that word popped up, grace. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. It was my word for, I think it was either, I think it was 2021. Grace was my word for the year. Yeah, because my tagline is kind of um, using grit, grace and gratitude to grow with our grief because which is exactly what you're doing you know yeah yeah learning how to acknowledge it and live with it and then grow with it if we're going to keep living with it you know yeah so one of the things that i found interesting i numbered it down here while you were talking that you mentioned several times about the dichotomy of feelings or the 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 like happy and sad, the emotions that there being that that conflict at the same time, um, because you talked about the ceremony on the beach and that it was hard, it was both hard and beautiful, both at both at the same time, and then you talked about um, that it was so hard that she wasn't willing to talk about it, and that you were it was such a mix of emotions that you were so angry about that, and then also about at the end of your mom's life being with her, like you said, you would do it over again 10 times because it was so beautiful, but with, yeah. it was also so traumatic. Mm -hmm. And this, that was one of my big aha things. Um, I feel like in the Western culture, like we're so focused on this toxic positivity and happy, happy, happy. And, you know, now, 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 and just do it all for me and real quick. And <laughs> um, to realize that you can feel joy and sadness all at the same time mm -hmm. yeah yeah um i don't know if you've ever seen it's a disney movie but it's called inside out of course many okay. times recently still <laughs> me too <laughs> it's one of my favorites <laughs> me too. my husband's like are you watching that again we don't even have kids you know small kids anymore you're watching that <laughs> disney movie yes <laughs> yes i am it's so good mm -hmm. Yeah, so good. But I think that's a and also also Big Hero Six. I don't know if you know that one. That's also like a Pixar movie. I love Pixar movies. Big Hero Six is also a very, very good one. Inside Out is about the emotions, like you said, with the, the balls, like one, like they're both mm -hmm. that really, really also hit me like, oh, that's possible. Um, but Big Hero Six is also beautiful. You should check it out. Yeah. I, I would not down. spoil anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. Um so when when you were talking about the 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 um when you went to the I don't know if you call it a therapist or what, but you you talked to her and then you laid on her table. Mm, yeah. Is it Reiki? Is that what we call Reiki? Was she actually no. touching you? Okay, because Reiki yeah, they don't she, touch you. It's just like no. your energy and your they hover, no, but they don't. It's touch kind her. of something like touching Reiki. <laughs> it doesn't call you don't call it Reiki, but I don't I don't know if there's an English word for that. But for me, it was very good to go into my body, and I felt very safe with her. So that was my first step into like the body work, 
And then after that, I went to several psychologists, um, stuff like that to, yeah, to help me to grieve, to be happy with myself, to deal with everything that went on in my cute young life already, you know, <laughs> so, mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I have had several people talk about, um, you said that you got blurry in your mind, that memory mm -hmm. loss kind of thing. I think it's just part of our brain's defense mechanism to, to blurry those times, because if we were able to fully relive them again, I think it would be too much, you know? Mm -hmm. I think yeah. it's some sort of, our, our brains are so amazing. I think it's gotta be some I sort know. of, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's for sure and yeah I think um I don't know if people uh, who listen also did this but I did I is it also an English EMDR like the um, is it's that an the English tapping? name uh, is that it's tapping? The, no it's with like a, a sound or with this with your eyes or actually I did it with visualization and going back to that moment when my mom passed away or the last days so I think it's good that our brain blocks it sometimes. But for me, it was also very healing to go back to that moment and grab my own head and look, looking at my younger self and to be with her and let her cry. And yes, it's hard, but you did the best you could. So yeah, that was for me also one of the most healing moments to have the courage to go there because it takes a lot of courage um, and I also shiver now a bit because it's you, I get like the body sensations you know um, mm -hmm. but it's also very healing because I don't know if you talk about this also often but grief and love is just you know so tied together so if you push down the grief the love also gets pushed down and now that I try I, I would say try to face the grief also the beautiful memories are coming back and I can talk about her favorite food or whatever we made in the kitchen or stuff like that it's a lot about food I recognize I just called my brother before this meeting or and uh, we, we were also talking about food <laughs> you're pushing down your grief pushes down your happiness also I think it's Brene Brown has a quote about numbing your emotions and that if you numbing, numb the grief, but that also means you're numbing the happiness and the potential for all the other emotions. So you can't just do one without the other. And I always think, mm -hmm. I always say too, that um, I feel like allowing yourself to go to the depth of your grief affects the height of your joy. Because if you only yeah, let yourself right. feel your grief a little bit down here, you know, you're, they're, they're both, if you only go a little deep, your joy only goes a little high. But if you allow yourself to really process your grief, then like you said, then your joy can be um, exponentially affected. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I really feel that now. And I also feel that the relationships, especially with my family, are changing a lot since I am like inviting the grief because for example my dad's dad passed away when he was very young too 
And now he sent me recently in October in our group, family group app, like, oh, it's today uh, grandpa's birthday. I never knew that my whole life. I never knew because he passed away far before I was born. Mm -hmm. So I was like, this is so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's like you, I'm so happy to not numb my feelings anymore. It's hard. It's really hard. I never felt so much pain in my life. But it's also on the other side, what actually what you just said, like you also feel like, oh, we connect. We, yes, this is how human connection for me works. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Yep. So tell me just what, like, what is your favorite part of body work? Because I feel like it could be a whole bunch of different, like it's the yoga, it's the meditation, it's um, this therapy that you do that we have to figure out what the American name is for it because I want to look into it. <laughs> um, like, it. Do, you, <laughs> do you have one certain aspect that either you love the most or has been the most beneficial for you or maybe something that, you know, mm -hmm. people don't know about to try to raise awareness about? Yes. Um, for myself, like I, I, when you asked the question, I would put it in two things because for myself it's the meditation like what I do on my own I try to do it as at least once a day <laughs> so most of the time in the evening to do it it really regulates my system and I can yeah meditation is 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 very good for me and if I do it with other people because connection is also very important in the grief process I think I really like the aesthetic dance, what I talked about earlier. And that's um, you enter a room and you don't have shoes on. So you are more with your feet to the ground. You don't talk. Um, I, I'm so like into that. So for me, it's not like, what do you know, normally do? And, oh, no alcohol, no drugs. So very, only tea. <laughs> so like only, only that. And it's for me, I learned so much from this aesthetic dance experiences um, because you can also go into interaction with other people, not with words, but with dancing. And if you don't want to dance, you say, no, thank you anymore. Or you can go into very beautiful interaction. So for me, dancing is very, um, yeah, important, actually, very important, but in the aesthetic dance way, not going to the club anymore. I love to do that when I was like younger, but um, this is very special for me. And yeah, just walks in nature. I think it's so underestimated how good that is for us. And what I do now, I normally I would just walk. And now I stop at a tree or I, I love moss. It's so funny to, to know now that I love moss. I, again, I laugh at myself if I say this out loud. Different types of moss. I have a special moss that I love the best when I go with my hand. I'm like, oh, you're so good. <laughs> like, what is happening with me? But to be very aware of like your sensations, your hands, your what you hear, what you smell. For me, my hands are very also body work connected, like structures. What do I like when I walk in the forest? 
So yeah, I think for myself, meditation and the walks, but the aesthetic dance is very, very uh, good for me. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Is there music in the aesthetic dance or is it silent? Yeah. There is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. It also depends on like the DJ, of course. And I know now some DJs I really like, they can they go from slow music to like very crazy music also and then to slow music again and up and down so it's like most of the time two hours or two and a half oh wow and then you're just done and you just you just feel aesthetic actually because you go to some parts in your body and you feel a lot in the interaction and it's very hard to explain in words because it's without words so I also started to appreciate silence a lot because also the meditations because that was I actually did it recently again 10 days of silence that's crazy beautiful I mean everybody hears how I love to talk so (laughs) how can you not talk for 10 days I, I think that's it's one of the hardest things to do but it helps me a lot to go deeper into my own body and my own things I have want not have to want to work on mm-hmm. so the past like February I did the 10 day silent Vipassana and a lot of times my mom was there it was beautiful wow. mm-hmm. even wow. with hot hot chocolate like I was drinking hot chocolate and I had a memory and I was like, really? In my mind, because you cannot say that over hot chocolate. And I started to like cry very silently. I was like, what is happening? Hot chocolate. It was so cute. It felt so nice, so warm. Mm, yeah. yeah. There's your food connection again, too. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Mm. <laughs> That's for sure. Mm. So where can people find you on Instagram? Oh, my name, my full name. <laughs> okay. Lot Logeman. So it's L-O-T-L-O-G-E-M-A-N. Okay. Is that all together? Is there an underscore? Yes, all, no, all together. All together. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So my first and last name together. And I, I, yeah, I, most of the time, like I said, I post in Dutch, but I try to do it more in English sometimes. So let's see how that works out. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if people are listening, I will put this in the show notes if you don't have uh, access to a pen and paper or way to take a note in your phone, you can go to the show notes and I will log um, Lot's Instagram profile in there so you can find her there. So I usually try to finish the podcast if there's a final thought you want to share or leave something with the listeners today. And if you don't, you don't have to, but I want to. <laughs> I think I my word, because you said your word of 2021 was grace. Um, my word recently, I had to think about that when you said that is trust. Because myself, I lived a long time out of fear, like a long time. And now that I try to trust the things unfolding life is very different another thing that pops up in my mind is find your own way to grieve there's not one one way so true 
just like our thumbprints, our fingerprints. There's no right way that's going to work for everyone. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I loved it. I was trying to think if you said it when, because Lot and I spoke a little bit before we started recording, but that when you started living the way you wanted to live instead of to everybody else's expectations. Mm Yeah. Did you say that in here or was that when I think when I we... said it also in the recording, yes. Okay. I think okay. so because it's really the thing I started to do when I moved out of Amsterdam and yeah, didn't have any plan in my life, literally. Like a one-way ticket to India was in my pocket. Like when I think <laughs> about it now, I'm like, what did I think? Mm-hmm. it was amazing though mm-hmm. don't uh, don't buy immediately a ticket to india if you listen to this but <laughs> this, this is this was my way yeah the lid was off <laughs> yeah. the lid was, was off, off. <laughs> it's, it's funny to to give a small side note on that one because I think I always wanted to live up to the expectations of my dad. So I literally bought the ticket to India in the train to meet him. So I had proof I'm going to India and you're not going to say no, no. (laughs) So it's, yeah, that was my rebellious side, but also not really rebellious because I knew I had to do something. I knew I had to break free love the song in my mind already I want to <laughs> but that was my way and just trust your yeah the intuition like because when I was telling the story about I knew already that my mom was going to pass away or something like that that was actually also the moment I um, reconnected with my intuition because I felt it I thought I was sick that was my mind, like, what is happening to my body? But I was actually probably feeling what was going on with my mom. So the trust in your own reality, let's say it that way, trust in your own, yeah, what you feel in your body. I cannot think about the right words, but yeah. Yeah, earlier to, you said, yeah. trust the things unfolding in your life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 that's awesome. Well, when we finish recording here, I'm going to ask if you can take a picture of your setup there, if you don't mind me sharing it. I love when you when you moved your camera <laughs> and you showed me showed me what your desk looks like. I'm going to ask her yeah, if she'll take course. a picture of that. <laughs> okay. I will. Well, yes. thank you so much for being here and for what you're doing, um, supporting others in their journey in their own grief journeys. And like you said, it's also beneficial to your own, so. If you'd like more information on my thoughts about the grief journey, please visit my website, www.yourgriefjourney.com. If you'd be interested in sharing your story on the podcast, please send me an email to daughterswithoutmoms at gmail.com.